How can you transition into your entrepreneurial dream from where you are now? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. Hello, my Dark Horse friends and family. Welcome back to your weekly dose of transitioning to your entrepreneurial dream learning. I'm your Dark Horse host, Tracy Brinkman, and you, well, my friends, that is infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur or one in the making. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart or just start leveling up with some great marketing personal or business results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be Ah, got another big episode for you today today nick citello shares both how both he and his wife transitioned from both of them being six-figure earners in their corporate careers to their entrepreneurial dreams Plus, I'm going to let you in on next week's interview episode guest who went from freelance consulting career to creating a business that provides top-notch services to the likes of Pixar. Now, I know you guys are enjoying this and I, I want you to come jam with us on a more personal level. So come on over to the uh, the Facebook group. Go to facebook.com and in that search bar up there, type in dark horse tribe and then come on in there and ask your questions drop your knowledge come in there and share with the other driven entrepreneurs that are in the group and that are joining the group as we speak and then of course be sure to stop by darkhorseschooling.com and sign up for our newsletter we'll be dropping all kinds of extra goodies uh, things like the 35 uh, entrepreneurial productivity hacks the six c's of entrepreneurship plus from some new goodies that are on the horizon here that will not be aired here on the podcast or shared in the facebook group so you're going to be want to be a part of that newsletter all right now As per usual, the Dark Horse Corrals are chock full of personal business and marketing G-O-L-D spilling from every corner of the Dark Horse Entrepreneur HQ. So let's get to the starting gates and go. All right, my Dark Horse friends and family, today's guest is Nick Sotelo. Nick is a licensed marriage and family therapist who's turned life coach. Now, Nick's not your run-of-the-mill life coach. Uh Uh-uh. Nick has a PhD, a counselor in education and supervision, and Nick is a podcast host of The Upgraded Life, where Nick draws upon this advanced education, this training, and 20 years of experience to bring something that you can immediately apply in your life. And I know Nick's going to bring something that we can immediately apply today. Nick, welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur. How are you doing, brother? Doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. My, my pleasure. I know we had a, a couple of uh, uh, scheduling difficulties we had to uh, to muddle through, but here we are. Yeah. Um, and so I, I literally, as you, as I was just telling, I, just, I want to step back from the mic for a minute and hand the stage over to you so you can tell your story, the the good, the bad, the ugly, the road traveled to bring you to where you are today and, and why you love doing what you do so much. All right. Sounds good. My story. Well, my story is one of those common yet uncommon. Here I am trying to be you know, unique and special type of a person. So um, I'll start with, um, you know, I was I was raised by my grandparents. 
meaning that, uh, you know, the people that brought me into this world um, were young and they didn't have life, quote unquote, figured out. And that's kind of how I started. And I was pretty much raised an only child. And of course, you know, like you just told your audience, I do have a PhD in counseling. So that's kind of where my mind goes in terms of, you know, child development and how I got to where I'm at. So bear with me on that. And so I was raised by my grandparents. They were uh, born in the early 30s. So they were the depression era type people. So, uh, you know, I wish they were around now to talk about what are people talking about Spanish flu when you were when you were little kids, because they would have been close enough to it. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, But it was, you know, depression era type folks. And so, you know, we ate what most people would consider weird things like we would we would, you know, take things out of the pantry, put it on a pot and turn it on. And that's what we ate for dinner. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and I was not so great of a student growing up up until something clicked in middle school where I decided that if, if I guess if I'm going to have to go to school, then I might as well, well do it as best as I could and kind of snapped into, you know, honors type principles, you know, um, list for good things, not for, not, for <laughs> not the list, not the list he kept on a little drawer in his desk, but you know, the list that got, you know, uh, pasted out in the hallways and whatnot, but uh, high school rolled through and you know, I ended up being a, a pretty decent athlete and, you know, finished with a 3.98 GPA and um, football, basketball, baseball. I went to a smaller school, so I was able to take advantage of that. And if you're an athlete, you're an athlete. It didn't matter what sport you were, you were in, you were on right. the team type of a scenario. And <laughs> um, rolled into college, and I thought I was going to, I was pre med, and I thought I was going to be a dentist. And that was, that was an expectation in, in my family that, you know, all the males went to school and all the males achieved, you know, highly in school, meaning, you know, bachelor's degree was just kind of the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that there was an expectation that you would continue to go on. I guess I fulfilled that role, you know, capping it off with, with the PhD. But I was I think, pre-med. I, I think you're good with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was pre-med, um, but I went to school in the town that I was raised in. So that was that's Salem, Oregon, and I went to Willamette University, which meant I'm a townie. I guess that was a word that the the other students had for people like me. And so I was still connected to all my old networks or, you know, or existing networks and friends. Mm-hmm. And when it came time to study or go out and hang out with my buds, well, I picked to go out and hang out with my buds <laughs> and come sophomore. I was put on academic probation on my first term. Um, that didn't last very long. I was able to snap out of it. I was pre-med with chemistry as my major was kind of the plan. And long story short, I ended up graduating with a psychology degree, didn't do pre-med and was courted by a couple employees in the youth correction um, or agency in in the state of Oregon. Uh, They really kind of uh, put their hooks into me. I applied and that was 21 years ago that I started Mm. working in in, in youth corrections. And it's the primary source of income that I've had, the the only quote unquote career that I've known. I had jobs before that in college and whatnot. And so today, and starting the last probably three to four years, um, corrections folks don't have the best outcomes when it comes to post-career mortality statistics, mm-hmm. meaning that we, the average corrections employee will die about five years after retirement. Oh. And yeah. <laughs> and I've seen it enough now. You know, I've been around, you know, 20 years. I've seen that. I've seen people not make it to retirement mm-hmm. and I don't want to be one of those types of statistics. Sure. 
my wife kind of on a similar path with her career. We kind of looked at each other. She was a, an educator and we both looked at ourselves like we've been doing this for 20 years. We're not going to do it for another 20, if that makes sense. Sure. And so um, we started thinking about how can we exit out of our careers and not burn the ships, right? We're not, we're not completely just going to cut ourselves from, from income, but how do we do that? in a way that makes sense, you know, financially, we still have, we have still have kids in school. I have a, I have a junior and a seventh grader. Um, and so, you know, it's not responsible to, you know, just, just totally cut loose of our primary income streams and then hope for the best. Right. <laughs> right. So we started looking at ways of how can we build uh, different income streams and then systematically back out of our careers. So my wife has been able to do that. Um, we were both six figure earners in our careers too. So keep that in mind that, you know, a lot of people have that goal of, you know, becoming a six figure earner and we, we were there, right. Sure. But we were, we were there and we were realizing the cost of that as it, as that was hooked to a employer employee dynamic, right? Developing other income streams is what made sense. Uh, my wife um, pushed uh, forward with with her income stream that I fully support her in, and part of me developing income streams is basically threefold. One is I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've operated private practice counseling since 2006, and through my Continued education, I have earned the ability and privilege to supervise other counselors as they're trying to become licensed. Mm -hmm. And so part of what I do the best is I help people, I help counselors that don't want to bill insurance and they, but they want to be in private practice. They don't want to have to bother with insurance. So I show them how to do that. And that's kind of a unicorn within the, the field that people don't think that you can do that. People think the goal is, is to grind away, get licensed so that you can finally bill insurance. Sure. And I show people how to not do that. And there's a lot of benefits and advantages to not billing insurance, but then still being able to have a thriving practice. So mm. th that's a big income stream for me. And another one is uh, doing that full pivot into becoming a life coach. So when I specifically work with people, it's um, less and less mental health format and, and more and more a life coach format. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but uh, albeit to say it's much more rewarding for me to work in the, in the realm as a life coach versus a mental counselor. And in this podcast, I think that, that yeah. this is another kind of building um, income stream building towards it. And so that's, that's my story at this point in time. And I'll let you uh, dig into it. Uh, Sweet. Tracy, no, I heard there's lo lots of golden pieces in there. Uh, and I, I want to come back to the whole bill insurance thing, but let's, let's go back to the beginning, right? So you're, you're raised by your grandparents and I think that's kind of cool. My, uh, my mom was actually raised by her grandma and, uh, my, her grandma, obviously my great grandmother, uh, lived to uh, be an awesome age. And I got to know her well into my teens and her perspective on life. Wow. I know molded some of my viewpoints as I grew up and, you know, listened to the amazing stories that she told. I know she literally came across the United States from Florence, Kansas to Southern California as a young girl on a covered wagon. And I'm like, okay, you got to tell me more about that. Right. You know, they, they, they got their plot of land. They, the, the, the family themselves physically built their own home, tore it down and then rebuilt it later on. I'm like, and you just hear these kind of stories and, and the things they did. My great grandma uh, ended up being a maid for the Nixon family 
the parents of, of Richard Nixon in Whittier, right. California for a period of time, which obviously leveraged itself into a number of reports in school for me, right? Uh, right. But <laughs> like, you, like you were saying, the, the coming from that different era, you know, that 30s era, you, you learn a different perspective of, uh, of life. I mean, would you concur with that? Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely have. The, I mean, just like you said, the stories that they that they have to tell and the way of life that they knew, right, mm -hmm. was just you know a little bit categorically different. The things that they had seen and, and experienced. So yeah, I definitely would, would agree with that. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, uh, it seemed to me it, it, that it was more of a a giving lifestyle, and that's how you you got back. You you didn't just take take take, right? You weren't just out there taking from the land or taking from other people or taking from society. You were giving, and then you were getting in return. Yeah. And, and I think I got a, a different perspective from mine, sure. um, meaning that because of the the life, especially that my grandmother lived, she was really programming me to not necessarily take, 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 mm -hmm. but don't ever trust anyone because everyone is trying to get something from you. Mm. Okay. So be, you know, be very careful about who you trust and, and, and what you give to, to whom, because, you know, ultimately people are out to take advantage of you. And unfortunately your own family members are included in that category. Sure. And so that was, that was the message that I grew up with as a, as a little child you know, mm -hmm. to be very suspicious, very guarded, very skeptical. And that was based on her experience growing right. up. And Absolutely. And yeah, I can get that. I, I think if I look at some of the messages I got from not just my uh, great grandparents or, or my grandparents, but my folks as well, it was, yeah, there was that under underlying tone of like, hey, people will treat you how you give them permission to treat you, right? right? If you give them permission to keep taking from you, they will. If you say, ah, stop right there, well, we, we got to hold this boat, uh, then they'll they'll learn and they'll move on to quote unquote easier targets, right? So, okay, so you had, uh, you, you mentioned that your family, for the males in the family, had this high expectation. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll insert words into your mouth and say higher education, right? Absolutely. Do, do you think that that was one of the driving factors behind your, your scholastic achievements, getting all the way to PhD? It, it definitely was for master's degree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, when I look back on it, um, I, I probably did that more out of a dynamic to finally, or maybe to continue to win favor, uh, particularly mm -hmm. with my grandmother. And sure. So I def definitely sought there, not so much PhD because by, well, I think she was still around by then, but I had uh, made a tough decision or kind of mid, I don't know, 2000. Well, it would have been right around 2006. There's, some, there's a story there where I, d I started having less and less to do with, with my family of origin. Mm -hmm. uh, and so so definitely PhD was more of a decision that was made between my wife and myself. Okay, nice. But still, obviously, I think by that point, you had years and years of schooling under your right, belt. Yeah. That, <laughs> it was almost was, a habit for you, I, I would was, imagine. Because yes. yeah, <laughs> I know, uh, and I was just chatting with my wife earlier, and she's in, in, in the education field as well. And she's like, yeah, just to be a psychologist, you're going through all these hours of internships. And that's just to get there. And then you've got to, you know, go, go into, I'm like, 
crazy. My, my head was spinning at uh, the, the pieces of information I didn't know. Um, so the corrections arena, that's that's got to be interesting. I know, especially the, the youth corrections. And uh, I'm lucky enough that the closest I got to, okay, I'll be honest. Uh, I was on the receiving side of some youth corrections. Okay, let's be honest, right? Um, but uh, I think on the other side of that, the closest I really got to that was when I was in the public speaking arena down in in Georgia. Uh, one of the things I did, oh God, for the longest time, monthly or bi-monthly, is I would go to the DeKalb County uh, Youth Corrections. It was the Young Boys Corrections facility and just go give presentations, you know, uh, you know, I went there with a personal development um, kind of presentation, but once they learned where I worked, which was at Coca-Cola, that's where all the questions were at, right. right? And so I started going there and just sharing some of the behind the scenes coolness of the Coca-Cola world, how they make the product, how they market the product. And then you can you know, leverage those relationships you build to help hopefully guide them, say, hey, here's an opportunity over here and here's an opportunity over here so that you know, God willing, when they get out of the uh, of the facility, they start making uh, better choices. Uh, uh, tell me a bit about your realm in the uh, the youth corrections. What what you gained and impact you hopefully had? Yeah. <clears throat> so I started when I was 21 years old, mm -hmm. and that was the minimum age at the time that you could work there. I, I came in. There was an era of folks that could you could start working at 19, and so there were some folks that were like that um, that were there. But, you know, I was 21. Salem, Oregon is a, a small town. I think there's barely, I mean, small town relatively considering there's about maybe 200,000, maybe 230,000. It's the capital of Oregon, but it sits in between, you know, Portland, Eugene, kind of the bigger yeah. cities in, in the area. And even Portland itself compared to you know, Seattle or L.A. is pretty is small potatoes. A Portland Metro, I don't think even has two million. Right. I think it's like you know, just under two million. Gotcha. Um, so compared to like Seattle, you know, six million. Yeah. <laughs> L.A. to know anymore, but at least 10. Right. And so big. Right. It's big. But <clears throat> I definitely didn't know um, what it was like to live you know, in, in, in urban situations and a lot of kids coming from Portland and whatnot that had gotten in trouble. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit of a culture shock. Um, you know, I was raised, um, in the church and in, in the Christian church and, you know, was, a involved in youth group and those people that were courting me, like I mentioned earlier, were, were folks that I knew, you know, from church. And, gotcha. uh, so there was a lot of culture shock that I, <laughs> that I, you know, and here I was, you know, I, um, have never smoked, never drank, didn't have anybody pregnant, you know, went to school, went to college, <laughs> played, played sports. And when I walked onto the living unit, uh, there was five youth, we call them youth that were older than I was because mm. in Oregon, we can keep them till they're age 25. So I'm 21. Okay. Gotcha. And so there, there was five that were, that were older than I was. And so that was always kind of an interesting, like, here, here I am telling them what to do. I've got the keys. I have the power and they weren't much older. I mean, they, they were, you know, barely more the most was somebody would maybe it was like a year and a, and a handful of months older than me so sure. it was a huge disparity there but uh, so that was that was different uh in terms of what, what did i get myself into and you know and i i didn't think that i would be sitting here you know 21 years after the fact talking about it you know i mm -hmm. thought that this might be a good stepping stone and that i might you know move on to something else for sure so right 
definitely a big culture shock going into it. Nice. Yeah, I can only imagine stepping into that. I know it was uh, it was a I don't say a culture shock because obviously I wasn't behind the scenes, but it was certainly a wake up moment. You know, I want I know the first time I, I went there and gave the, the the presentation, it was shortly after one of the big uh, shootings things that happened in the schools. So you know, I'm dating myself here, obviously, and uh, they had one of the lead suspects in this particular facility, and he was in the audience and i walked out of there going oh my god i'm glad i made some of the decisions i made as a youth myself right because i could have been on the other side of this so it was a it was, it was an interesting perspective uh, to look at what could have been yeah and here i was going okay god thank god for that uh okay so now you you've traveled these these awesome roads and uh, you and your wife have uh, made some uh, choices like okay we don't want to be traveling down this this road all the way because five years after we retire statistically it could be over Uh, right not going to be here i would just call it like it is i'll be dead right uh so you start making decisions to to venture down the entrepreneurial path good bad and different right just it is what it is it sounds like your wife is doing successful Uh, i know your 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 podcast is, is taking off and uh, you, you've got some good things going on uh, doing the life coach thing I, it's got to be really cool for you uh, given your breadth of experience and knowledge but let's go down into the how does a coach help scenario yeah absolutely and it's one of those things where you have to see it to believe it to a certain degree mm-hmm. uh, meaning there's there's a lot of ways that you can become a coach and that's one of the it's one of the downfalls it's one of the criticisms well anybody can become a coach which which is true i mean sure uh, the way that internet marketing works these days you can yeah. be on the interwebs and you can be hit up with all kinds of be certified to be uh, become a coach you know an eight week course now <laughs> available for 97 dollars, and you know all that kind of thing so that's, 27 right <laughs> 27 right and so <laughs> so that is definitely a pathway into it um, that's not everybody's pathway. That definitely wasn't my pathway. Uh, but I've been coached. I'm currently being coached remotely, uh, for some fitness goals of mm-hmm. mine. And, um, and this is, let's just focus in on that. My own personal journey with fitness. Um, again, I was, I was an athlete in, in high school. I should have been an athlete in college, but that's a different story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming through children, having children in my late twenties and not really modifying my eating habits, you know, very much at all. You know, I, I wound up being, you know, pretty damn close to 50 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, about two years ago where that really kind of crested for me. And I was like, enough is enough. And so I spent like a year and a half on my own, trying this, trying that, you know, eating less and, and, and moving more and reading books. Do I bought a couple, you know, self, um, self-driven, you know, online programs too. And I, I, nothing really worked. And it got to a point to where well, this is still a goal of mine. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, right. uh, I still haven't moved the needle, so to speak. And so I, uh, took up somebody on on an offer to uh, be coached by them in, mm-hmm. in the realm of fitness. And I've made incredible gains. And just in, it's been since May, all right, and this is October, so what, I don't know, six months or something like that. So I've made incredible gains under, under my coach uh, because number one, they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Number two, they know how to individualize it to not only what my goals are, but, you know, I was able to take them, I show them pictures of this is, I don't, I'm not going to a gym. I'm not going to a fully decked out workout center. So I took him pictures of this is what I have available to me to work out with. He's mm-hmm. like, no problem. 
We'll put together a program around that. And the, it's the accountability and the expertise around it. So what that means is one of the things that I learned that I never read in a book, never, nobody ever told me is there's certain phases of, of my fitness program where I actually will gain weight. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I was trying to lose weight and then I'm doing this, I'm, I'm, I'm eating the way I'm supposed to be. I'm, 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 I'm hitting my workouts and I step on the scale and I weigh more. Yeah. Like, what the hell? You're now listening to-, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Right. And so I got to that frustration. And that's the reason why, you know, prior to this, and this was just in a cycle of frustration. Well, I got that uh, to that point again with my coach and I let him know, I said, Hey, this is, this is crazy. You know, I've been, I've been almost two weeks of, um, e- you know, eating a, a, a differently. I won't say restricted. I felt sure. restricted at the time. It doesn't mm-hmm. anymore. And I step on the scale. I'm way more. And he's like, Oh, well, that's because you're, you're in a muscle building phase. You know, when yeah. you've been doing these workouts and your body's kind of like, what, what's going on? And so it's, it's holding more water than what, than what sure. it normally would. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, so that's normal. Yeah. It's pretty normal. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And if you don't know, you don't know. I know, uh, um, uh, interrupt you here for a minute. Uh, um, my, my wife, uh, when we met, I was at that part of that point you were at. It's like, you know, I hadn't been watching my stuff. I've been feeling like crap, you know, going through crap in my, in my life and, and eating accordingly. Right. Yeah. And so I probably tanked on like you, you know, multiple right. digits of, of extra weight. And, uh, she's in, you know, she's a big fitness advocate license in the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, and, and she never pushed it on me, but, uh, you know, just out of habit and being with her, you know, it's altered my eating pattern. And then just the education. And I love working out with her. Right. And uh, over time, it's like, yeah, I got to that point. I said, hey, I'm losing this weight. I'm losing, well, wait a minute. I'm getting it back. I'm getting she says, No, 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 no. Right? right. Here's what's going on with your body. You've been dropping fat and now you're getting that muscle. That that from the workouts and you know, and everything. I'm like, all right, cool. I can deal with that, you know. And then you start looking at the uh, we have this little device for register registering your your body fat percentage. Okay, now having that number, I, I'm I'm a numbers geek, right? Now I have a different number. It says, okay, if my weight is here and this number is at that percentage, I'm okay. If the weight goes right. up and that one stays that percentage, I'm still okay. If they start changing, you're like, uh, okay. But yeah, you're right. If you don't know these things, having someone who's got that that expertise to share with you, all right, here's what's going on under the under the uh, under the hood of the car, so to speak. Yeah, and so you, I mean, you asked how coaching helps, and so coaching helps um, because. You know, if it's done right, it's going to be individualized to mm-hmm. to what your goals are and what your needs are. And then there's going to be that accountability piece there as well. And mm-hmm. how do you know if your coach is good? Well, they, they ought to be able to point you to happy customer, right? I mean, because coaching is a is can be cutthroat because if you're a terrible coach, that word is going to spread and you're not going to be able to do much. You're going to have to mm-hmm. turn to you're going to that's a, that coach is going to have to turn to internet marketing in, in order to, yeah. to to make it around that. And so it's really that ability to to know who you are. Uh, what it is that you actually want and how to individualize that process to make sure that you're hitting the, the goals that you have. Mm, that's, that's, that's a, that's a gem right there, right? To point you to, to happy customers, but Hey, here's the question. All right. So um, I'm, I'm talking to this guy and he's told me, all right, I'll be his first customer. Where do we go with that? He can't point me to happy customers. Is sure. it just the individual expertise that he'll bring to the table? Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I would say that you know, the the accountability piece is also multi layered. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- this is part of the reason why I pivoted out of uh, mental health counseling into coaching. And so um, we know by research and, and statistically that when you have more invested in your own process, mm-hmm. you're more likely to follow through. Sure. Right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that just because you paid somebody X amount of dollars means that you're going to get these results, but you are far more likely to follow through. Uh, we also know that the average person, when they take up any kind of program, doesn't matter what it is, right? It could be, I mean, you and I are both um, products of, you know, Zachary Babcock to a certain degree mm-hmm. and what yep. he's doing to help people uh, build their podcast. Well, that's a good, an example too. Most people only follow through about 60% of whatever the thing is laid in, out in front of them. Right. right? So Absolutely. Um, working with a coach where you've actually invested money in yourself puts more skin into the game, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that's one thing that I would tell somebody. And the other thing is, um, you know, what is the person's background? What, what have they done for themselves? Yeah. Even though you, even though they may be uh, their first customer, so to speak, sure. um, what have they been able to do um, for themselves? What have they been able to do for friends and family? There's a reason there should be a reason why this person is out there yeah. um, branding and marketing themselves as a coach. And it's, you know, it, it can be a little bit scary. Like in my domain, it's like, well, I don't want to be the, 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 the person that the surgeon is uh, patient number one, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, behind the scenes, you're not patient one, you know, yeah. the, the surgeon has done a lot lot of things to get to that point. So the coach should have done um, some uh, observable, quantifiable things to, to get to that point. No, that, that's a that, that's a great point for anyone who's considering a, a coach who, you know, either admittedly or, or, or not is uh, newer to the game, right? There, there's the, there's the, those questions you can obviously ask about, you know, what have you done? What have you done for yourself? What have you done for, you know, maybe you were in corporate America and you, they could speak to the coaching they gave their employees. Okay. They were, they were paid from a different aspect, but right. they were still, still paid for that. Absolutely. Right. So in, in the uh, in, in the coaching arena, let, let's stick there for a minute for our entrepreneurs listening. What do you find is maybe your uh, two part question and answer either part both together um, is your biggest struggle as a coach or in getting the uh, the, the clients in the door or both in <laughs> answering that kind of for me specifically, or, or, or what people are talking about collectively out in, in, in Let, the- let's start with you for specifically yeah. your experience. Right. So my, well, I mean, part of it is to, to some areas, you know, I, what I do is a mindset coach, right? Mm-hmm. I know what is mindset. And so it's, it can be difficult to put your message out so that people can say, is this me or not me? If it's me, does this look like something that I want to add to my life, right? Because you can't just go around saying, Hey, Tracy, your mindset's off. You should work with me as a coach, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be very true, right? It could be a hundred percent true. Right. But most people don't go around looking at or, or self uh, analyzing how their mindset is helping them or not, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's just not, it's not a concept that is out there that most people uh, are chewing on from day in and, and day out. So it's learning, it's learning, um, it's, it's really breaking down what it is that you do mm-hmm. very, very uh, clearly and then being able to message that out in a way that the average person can actually understand and mm-hmm. make that, make that assessment for themselves. You know, is sure. this me? 
Uh, if it is, is this something that I want to add into my life? And this is where people get too technical in what they're trying to explain that they do and how they do it and all these certifications that they have and blah, 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 right? <laughs> your your average client that you're, that needs your help doesn't care about any of them. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a hard thing for people to kind of wrap their mind around because we get trained and inundated and, you know, well, show them your credentials and show them all the right. schools that you went to and, you know. And you're those. proud of all those like, right. accomplishments, right? <laughs> So your client doesn't care. Your client no. only cares, does this work and can I do it? Right. And so I think messaging is, is a big thing. And I've, sure. I've kind of um, toyed around with, with different um, types of messaging to the point to where, again, I hired somebody to come help me with mm-hmm. my message. Right. And so nice. uh, I'm a product of coaching. I believe in coaching and it's not me just, you know, uh, doing my best to be out there. I've actually, you know, brought coaching into my life and I've benefited tremendously. And there's, a, I think there, there is yet another example that Jeff, you know, if you're playing in the, the coaching arena, do you have someone coaching you? Because if you don't, well, wait a minute, do you believe in your own service? What's up? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's a good question, too. Back to what what, what would you ask? You know, ask yeah. your potential coach, how have they been coached? Yeah. And how, and how did it help? Absolutely. I know I've had, God, through the through the 40, 40 years. Oh, my God, I just dated myself pretty aggressively there. 40 plus years of uh, in, in and out of corporate America. I, I probably can't count them on this many fingers, how many coaches or mentors I've had in different aspects. I mean, um, from every aspect to, you know, how to be a good boss, how to be a good employee, you know, uh, how to speak in public. I mean, there's all these different nuances that you learn through your, uh, your careers and through your life that you're like, oh, God, I, I need to, I need to smash down this learning curve. Let's find someone who's done it already and and bring them into my world. And it's, you know, for me, I, I, and as we're sharing with folks, and I'm, I think you'll concur. It's not always a, Hey, pay me, you know, 300 bucks a month and I'll teach you. There are plenty of folks out there that, uh, you know, in organizations or groups or associations that will be willing to mentor you just, just as part of their growing opportunity as well. Yeah. And I think that that's a good, great point. I would concur with that, you know, the, the mentor thing. And, and again, the average person isn't out there, you know, trying to think, you know, man, where, where could I level up in my life? And, mm-hmm. you know, who might be a mentor for me? And, and if the, even if they do, even if they have that realization that I need to level up something in my life, mm-hmm. uh, but nobody wants to help me. Nobody's going to give me. Right. You know, it's, it's, that, it's those that mindset right there, right? <laughs> right. But I, I would absolutely concur. But I, I would say the stakes are higher with mentoring than they are with coaching. Oh, tell reason, me more about reason, that. Yeah. The reason is this, is that nobody wants their time wasted. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you're, if you're going to approach a mentor and mm. you have this idea that you're not going to have an exchange, a financial exchange or any kind of a bartering arrangement, and that this person who has what you want or has been down a road that you want to travel, mm-hmm. if you're going to take their time, yeah. you darn well be, be, need to be willing to execute on the knowledge that they're giving you. Because if you don't, you know, that, that's yeah. insulting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, As a coach, if you've paid me and then you don't want to execute, um, yes, I'm going to dig in there with you and figure out why you're not executing on it. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be insulted. You paid me. It's your life, you know, type of a deal. But right. as a mentor and they're giving up, I mean, they're taking time away from their projects and their friends and their family to give you time. Mm. You darn well be uh, have to be ready to execute on whatever it is that they're giving. You got to shut up and listen and then do. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. That's an interesting angle, and and, and there comes the the other the, the other point, right? If I'm if I'm the the client or the mentee, and I have no skin in the game except for maybe insulting my mentor, right? We know right. the we know the statistics on that. I, I was I was listening to something yesterday where they shared a statistic of you know all these online courses, like you mentioned earlier. Hey, get certified to be a a coach for ninety seven dollars or whatever. But um, all these these uh, coaching opportunities or all these digital products that are out there that about 6% of people go through the entirety of any given product. And I was like, uh, I'm not Googling it to see if I can find numbers. I'm still looking. So more to come on that. But I mean, and we're the product that was being talked about guy was saying, Hey, I have this thousand dollar product. It was nine 97. He goes, and I can say from, from behind the scenes, watching the numbers, only about 10% of the people are going all the way through the product. And then he added in um, a live coaching uh, call, a weekly call for the the net, like round three he did of this product. And it jumped to like 70% because now there, there's that accountability, that one-on-one. They, they had a coach that was answering those one-off questions that maybe weren't answered in the product. Right. So that to me, that helped reinforce that, all right, coaching works, especially if it's really aligned with the goals in case, in this case, you know, the, the digital product they were, they were talking right. about. Um, so definitely the, if, if anyone's considering, uh, Hey, I need a coach. Or if you're like, I, I've got, I'm struggling in this one area. I bet there's someone out there that can help you, you know, like Nick, like myself, like any of the number four, we, we mentioned Zach earlier, right? The, mm-hmm. the whole, you know, podcasting arena, uh, you know, there are folks doing these niche coaching areas and they do it very, most of them do it very reasonably for the, for the effort they're putting out that, and that you're getting from it. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, Right, I'll save myself all kinds of money by by flattening that learning curve. Absolutely. Now, I, I want and in, in the uh, on the intake form, and I usually don't share this, but you had this really cool thing in here about the uh, the Young Living Business to Platinum, right? Mm-hmm. And I see you have it on your shirt there. You wanna you wanna share a little bit about that? Sure. So Young Living is a is a network marketing company. At Tracy, I don't know if you're familiar with that format. Um, I am. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, network marketing, you know, when you say the word, sometimes you, you get the, psh, yeah, you know, yeah. The, <laughs> um, but it, it's an industry just like any other industry. There's, there's, there's great people involved with it. And then there's sure. not so great people involved with it. And so, um, but that's, that is the income stream that my wife really, um, latched into because of the products helping our oldest son mm-hmm. in, in a major way. That's part of our story. And when she was becoming disillusioned with her career, uh, meaning, that her they, were, they kept reorganizing and it got to the point where she realized that they were going to reorg and then force her back into the classroom mm. which is what she didn't want to do and yeah, so she kind of put fate in our in our own hands and said i want to build this business um, i said okay let's do it and remember back when i said we we're both um you, you know uh, six-figure income earners well sure. <laughs> uh at day one of, of Young Living, we were w- one six-figure income. <laughs> <laughs> That's like half your half. income is gone, right? <laughs> right. And uh, but it taught us it taught us uh, a lot about what we were doing with our money, um, and we were able to maintain our lifestyle through that building phase, mm-hmm. even though we were functionally making you know half half the the income that we're used to. So it was a it was a huge learning phase. Was it easy? No. Um, but that's that's what that is, Young Living, and so. Um, We've been intentional business builders for the better part of three years, you know, approaching four years. And about year two, um, 
we, we got to the point to where we replaced half of our income um, nice. through, through Young Living. And so, um, and there's structure to it and you have to do you know so much monthly sales and, and right. building your team structure in order to hit these ranks. So platinum is, is the rank that um, uh, we're going for right now. Uh, you know, we're, we're manifesting, you know, gold. I am gold. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> around. It's been a, it's been a great ride. Young Living is a company that's been around for, for 20 plus years, does about $2 billion in sales every year. And so it's been around, it's, it's not going anywhere. And the product is just amazing in terms of helping people boost their health quotient in their lives in, in, nice. a, in a variety of ways. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's, let's loop back around here. You know what? Let me pause for something completely different. When it comes to your business, so you're, you're breaking out into the entrepreneurial, what, what is your, uh, tell us about your biggest fear. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, yeah, so there's there is fear associated with again, you know, the play it safe route is for us to still be in our careers, right? I'm still in it to a certain degree, um, and my wife was in a career, and and that's what again the average person looks like. We've made it again. Not only were we, you know, a single six figure income, but mm-hmm. we're double six figure income, sure, earners, right? But you know, there's other things, and it was that comes at a sacrifice when you when you are locked into an employer employee dynamic, and yeah. the level that she was is kind of the same level where I'm at, where it's not 40 hours. You bring you, you bring work home with you. I I have 21 direct reports at my work. I'm I'm in charge of um, three critical state level uh, programs in terms of of, of youth. That mm-hmm. it, you just don't turn that off as a switch when you come home. Right? Sure. Responding to emails, you're you're planning for meeting, and so that was coming at the sacrifice of uh, not being there in a way that we knew that we could for mm-hmm. our own children. Right? Sure. And that's and for my wife as a mom, you know, that was starting to, to eat at her soul quite literally. And so that was a big part of, okay, it's scary to do this. It's scary to, to leave my career, but you know, we're survivors, we're, we're going to make it. And, right. and even, you know, and so that was kind of, the, you had to get over that hump of fear is, is, you know, having the vision, it's getting your mindset, right. It's also being grateful day to day for the things that you do have and the time that she's been able to um, be here for our boys to send them off to school with a hot meal, to be there when they get back to, yeah. to, to be able to, to do all those things. I mean, there's no price that you can etch to them. So, no, I agree. so it can be scary. Um, how do you get over this, the fear part of it? Well, um, have a plan, uh, have a mission, make sure that your mindset is set and know what you need to do every single day that if you were to commit to that every single day, you can't help but hit your goals. And that's my coaching platform right there. Mindset mission. Nice. Once you have that dialed in, then the fear starts to, to ratchet down. I like that. I like that. And I, I see you're, uh, you're a proponent of those little messages around the house. You just peeled off that Absolutely. I am gold message yeah. up in front of you. Yes. I, uh, I went through a period when I did a lot of that, right? Little sticky notes all over the mirrors and everywhere. Uh, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big yeah. fan. Here's another one for podcasters. There you go. Um, it says start recording. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Got to remember that. <laughs> I've been lucky enough. I haven't forgot to set the record button yet. I had one. I'll, I'll share this real quick with you. I had one probably like, episode number three or interview number three. And, uh, you know, I, I got on and, and John gets on and we had this great interview and, uh, all right. So that was the you know, middle of the week. And I, I, I do all my, uh, my, my processing on the weekend. So I, I sit down here in my little space and I bring up the, the laptop and I'm like, where's my recording? Oh, and no. you know, there's just that panic moment. And I'm like looking through all my files and, and I'm, 
pretty organized with my file structure. So it was like, if it's not here, it's not anywhere. Okay. Maybe it's somewhere else. And, you know, doing everything. And then I'm just about ready to send the message to John saying, dude, I, I, I have egg on my face, right? We need to re-record this because I can't find it. And then I realized it was on my other computer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was like, oh, phew. And so I think this, that fear moment has kept me always checking the record button, but I like the sticky too. <laughs> so um, I want to be mindful of your time and I appreciate you hanging out here. Yes. Let's let let's drop a, a top tip for our entrepreneurs that are listening, right? But any any arena you'd like to to share? Absolutely. Top tip for somebody who's early on in their path as an entrepreneur? You know, I think, yeah, someone that's about to, you know, start or restart. Maybe they've tried it before and stepped out, but whatever it is, they're, they're getting ready to say, okay, I'm going to kick this into pants. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give them, you know, two things. Sure. One is, is, you know, it's that Stephen Covey, you got to start with the end in mind, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people want to start small and see where it goes. Right. And that's probably one of the things that um, creates that scenario where you start and stop and start and stop yeah. right? or you, you experience a little failure. So start with the you know seven habits of highly effective people. Start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. So that way you can have an idea of, OK, because necessarily you're going to have to start small, especially if you're if it's a one person show. Sure. Right. But then you know that that small step is building towards whatever the, the ideal end state is going to be. Now, a lot of people go into it. They don't know what the ideal end state is going to be. And so when they start small, they don't they don't know where it's going or what it's building right. towards. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't shift and look differently from where from when mm-hmm. uh, step one to you know step one, uh, one million. I'm not saying that either. But if you if you just have a mentality, well, I'm going to start small and see where it goes. Yeah. You probably aren't going to do much with that. So, yeah. And then, of course, the other thing is, is um, who's on your team? Get a coach, get somebody who um, you can pay that has uh, a, a pathway already established. So that way you can lop off um, the time mm-hmm. and you lop off the money too. It might it might cost you more upfront, but it's going to save you tremendous amounts of, of money and time in 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 not even the long run, probably the midterm for sure, sure. into the long. So those those are my two tips. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Those are great. Start with I'm a I'm a big proponent of the start with the end of mind. I learned this one the hard way uh, <laughs> early on in my entrepreneur game. And you know, again, I'm going to date myself. It would have been probably the mid to late '90s. You know, I started off. Oh, I'm going to write this book. Well, we all know how fun that can be, right? right. And uh, so I, I, I actually did write an ebook and I thought, okay, well, I'll sell this ebook. And, and you know, I made a few sales, but I didn't have anything past that. Like, okay, what are you going to give them next, right? If someone raises their hand, they're saying, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll read your book. And then they read it and they're like, oh, that was awesome. Well, what's next, right? right. And you're like, I don't know. Right. Where I think more of late, I've got this bigger vision of, okay, here's this big product I want to sell. Well, I'm not going to go out there and pitch someone, you know, a 1997 product right out of the gate. It can be done, right? But, you know, you, you need the big marketing budgets and, and everything else behind that. And so I just started backing into it. So, okay, now what, what comes before the $2,000 product, right? What comes before that? What comes before that? So now what's my lead, call it the lead magnet. We all heard that term, right? What's yeah. the lead magnet of a person that would, in the end, buy this $2,000 product? Huh. Now, right. I have that small start, like you were talking about, but that's still that big vision still there in mind. And you're, you're right. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to start that lead magnet and I'm going to get these new, uh, 
new results, these new inputs from whoever is buying it saying, oh, well, that thing, that $2,000 product I thought of, they really need this, you know, and it could be two degrees different. It could be 200 degrees different. But the point is, I think you're right. It's to start with that end in mind. And we've already talked about the coaches, right? Get those folks that will help us uh, shorten those, uh, those learning curves is huge. And, and And I think beyond just the shorten of the learning curves, it's the, what do I do next? Right. And if, to your point, if you get someone on your team that's done something along the path you're trying to travel, they can tell you, well, if you're going to do this, take this step. If you're going to do that, take this step, right? Which, mm-hmm. which direction? So they can give you that guidance towards that next step and then hold you accountable, right? Crack right. that whip, smack you up the head, pat you on the back, whatever it might be. Yeah. All righty, sir. Um, any final thoughts before we let you go? Now, Tracy, thank you so much for, you know, having me on the show. It was, it was a fun time. And I really hope that your listeners got something out of this and were able to apply some of the knowledge that was given. I'm sure they will. But before we let you go, I don't want to, I want to shirk my responsibility here. If they want to learn more about Nick Satello and all his goodness, maybe they want you as a coach, right? They know you got game. Where do they, where do they find more out about you? Yeah. So you can go to my website. It's uh, www.nicksotelo.com. S-O-T-L-O is my last name. You can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook. You can just search uh, Nick Sotelo. I should pop up. You'll see the purple branding all around there. Mm -hmm. I have a podcast called The Upgraded Life, and that's on most of the major platforms. Again, you'll see the purple branding. Can't mistake it. You're going to see me I'm just now starting to grow my beard out, but in most of my photos, <laughs> my beard is in full effect. So that might look a little bit different. Instagram is at the underscore upgraded life. And so probably my website's the best place you can sure. find me and, and see what I'm about. Even book a strategy session. Tracy, I give away uh, 30 minutes to just listen to people and see what their needs are. And if I'm a good fit, I let them know. If not, then I help them find somebody else who is. You know. yeah, 30 minute strategy session. We'll be sure to get all those links in the show notes so people can just click and get right to you right away. Nick, thanks so much. I definitely appreciate your time, brother. Take care. Okay, there you have it, my Dark Horse friends and family. Nick Satello dropping some entrepreneurial and coaching consulting bombs on us today what thoughts did resonate what thoughts did resonate with you wow there's good speaking isn't it what thoughts resonated with you let me give you the ones that uh, i came in with thought number one how do you transition to your dream see nick mentioned the mortality rate of those that were in his field and he sat down with his wife to plan their exit out of their current fields into their purposefully chosen entrepreneurial path. Now, we've heard a number of guests that have been on this show that just jumped off the cliff and grew wings on the way down. That was their tactic of entering their entrepreneurial journey. Now, this tactic, is, as I've said, is really not for everyone. So here we have someone that's a little bit more purposeful and thought out transition to go from one to the other without the risk associated with that growing wings on the way down tactic. So the question becomes, which one's right for you? Well, I'm going to be honest, that's an answer only you can determine, right? Now, however, perhaps it's an answer that you might be best served to get some help with from a coach, from a trusted mentor, your spouse, perhaps. It's a a blend of one uh, or or multiple of them, right? Everyone's situations are unique and need to be addressed as just that, unique. Yet, I think so much of the time someone's unique situation has been faced by so many before them that those who have faced them before can certainly lend a hand in helping you facing yours. Thought number two, 
There are always different perspectives, aren't they? Now, Nick didn't call this one out specifically, but during our great conversation, I shared a perspective that I had learned from my great-grandmother who raised my mom. And Nick, who was raised by his grandmother, shared a different perspective that she had gleaned or that he had gleaned from, from his grandmother. Is either one wrong? You know what? For me, the answer is no. Everyone gleans from their own perspective, from their experiences and how they view them, right? So here's what's even better for me. Neither one of us had to jump to defend the perspective that we had learned from our elders. Both of us were able to understand the perspective of the other person and respect it as much as we would want our perspective to be understood and respected. So as an entrepreneur, and I think moreover as a thought leader, you are most likely are going to need to be willing to hear out those perspectives that might not align 100% with yours and at least ponder them, right? With your own perspective, right? Or, and, and then maybe ponder them to see how they might impact your own perspective or might not impact them, right? Do you, does your perspective need to shift as a result of this new bit of information, even in the slightest? Who knows? Thought number three, having a coach can make a huge difference. See, Nick shares his experience of trying to get his fitness under control. Remember, I mean, he was an athlete in high school and well into college, but then he found out in his later years that his fitness was not near where he wanted it to be. He even mentioned how he had uh, tacked on a little bit of extra weight. Now, after trying a number of different self-paced techniques and courses and things, uh, he, he then took on the aid of a coach. Now, Nick was able to make some incredible improvements in his fitness and only five months since he had taken on the coach to the time we had recorded the episode versus all the time he had been trying to do it alone prior to his coach's assistant. And here's the deal. And Nick called this out. Not only does a coach know what they are talking about because they've been there and done that and they've studied many, many that have, right? They can also personalize the journey to your situation and to your goals, as well as help hold you accountable to reaching the very dreams and goals that you told them you wanted to reach. So once again, you hear not only me, but yet another guest touting the benefits of having a coach to help you along in your journey, be it entrepreneurial, relationship, spiritual, or an example that Nick gave, fitness. And thought number four, start with the end in mind. Nick reminded us that starting with that mentality that, you know, I'm just going to start and see where it goes. Yeah, 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 not so much. That's usually a prescription for ending up nowhere near where you want to be. Instead, you need to start with the end in mind. For me, this is much like the Vista vision I have my coaching clients use, right? See, if you're sitting up high on a Vista, for example, overlooking the life that you dream and desire, what does it look like? What do you see? Where are you living? What do you, what's the first smell you have when you walk outside the, the, the door of the home that you're living in, right? Who is helping you? What are you doing to earn a living? How does it feel when you help others? Who are you helping? With whom are you hanging out? How do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Right? Who, like I just said, who has helped you or who is helping you achieve your dreams? See, and as you look down over that vista vision of your life, how does it make you feel? Proud, happy, loved, wanted, all of the above? 
You see, when you start with the end in mind, I think you are much more motivated to take each and every step to get there, even if over time your vista vision changes, which I think, by the way, it will, even if it's just a little bit. (laughs) All right, a few thoughts to ponder there. What inspiring tips or ideas resonated with you? Whatever they were, take some time, write one down, just take one, write it down and put it into action today or tomorrow. Get out there, run your race, get your results, and then come back and let me hear about them, right? Seriously, email me at tracy at darkhorseschooling.com and share the the tips or ideas that you came away with today, how you put them into action, and what results you gained from them. Heck, might even bring you on the show and have you share your story. Uh, and, and hey, here's another opportunity. Come on over into the Facebook group at, uh, you know, uh, facebook.com. Type in, as I told you earlier, Dark Horse Tribe in that search bar and uh, come in to the uh, Dark Horse Tribe group and share with us what you gleaned and how you put it in action and what results you gained from it. And if for some reason, right, you can't find the Facebook group that way, you can go to your favorite web browser. Type in darkhorseschooling.com backslash darkhorsetribe, all one word. That should take you right there. I look forward to hearing your wins. All right, speaking of wins, let me tell you about our next interview episode's guest, Rich Rosinski. Now, Rich is the sole founder of Tragic Media, which is a technology and software consulting firm based out of San Diego, California. I'm envious of Rich right now, right? I'd love to be in San Diego surfing. Rich has grown Tragic from the ground up out of his successful freelance consulting career. Now, to his honor, he has provided some top-notch services to companies that we all know and admire. I mean, even the likes of Pixar, all while being 100% himself. Now, I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and inspirational stories from this podcast and the guests I'm lucky enough to be able to get on. So go on down there and smash that subscribe button while you're there. Could you leave us a five-star review? That would be awesome. And some kind words, uh, a five-star rating. Here I go. I'm a, I'm so ahead of myself. A five-star rating and leave us some kind words in the review. Heck, go ahead and leave us some words for improvement. Anything you think would be beneficial to those, to me and to those listening. All right. And of course, don't keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D all to yourself. Get out there and share this podcast with other entrepreneurs and business owners you know would get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.